Welcome to the Together for Good podcast brought to you by Bethany Lutheran Church in Cherry Hills Village, Colorado. Our episode today is an audio recording of the sermon from yesterday. We always do this on Mondays, don't we? I preached a sermon on January the 24th. It was a part of our Epiphanies for Epiphany series. And in this, the course of the sermon, I talked about the Trinity. It's a confusing theological concept, um, and I kind of go through it in three different parts, talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then the idea of the Trinity as a whole. There's a visual component to it, because I talk about this image, this icon, uh, quite a bit as part of the sermon. So if you want to watch the video version of it, I'll leave a link in the show notes. But if you just want to listen, that's great too. We always um, love that we're able to do this. So here it is, my sermon from January 24th, 2021 on the Holy Trinity. I'd like to start off this morning by introducing you to this piece of artwork. It's one of my all-time favorite works of art. It hangs, I have a print in my office that's been there for a while. Uh, This is an icon of the Holy Trinity. I'm not sure if you can see it quite on your screen, and if not, it's okay. It actually literally says Holy Trinity up top. This is a picture that depicts the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all seated together at a table. It was created in the 15th century by a Russian artist named Rublev. And here's the thing about the Holy Trinity. Growing up, This concept, this idea didn't sit too well with me. I was actually a really good math student throughout elementary school and high school, and so I hated being told that one plus one plus one equals one. How did that work? It made no sense to me when we said that God is three in one. But I've learned over the years that sometimes it's okay for things to not make sense. I had a religion professor in college who pointed out to us that if we ever fully understood the ways and character of God, then we should probably start looking for a different God. If me, a pretty good math student in elementary school and high school, can fully understand how God works and operates in the world, well then what does that say about God? Here's the thing. Sometimes it's so important to just let the mystery of God take hold. Sometimes it's so important to remember that we are small, humble creatures and that there is a great, big God out there that we could never fully grasp or comprehend. I often have that feeling of of smallness and humility when I look at the mountains here in Denver. When I see the mountains driving down Hamden Avenue, my first thought is always, why would anyone want to live anywhere else? But my second thought is often about this matter of faith that I'm describing this morning. Sometimes it can feel very sacred and holy to look up at those mountains and feel so small and yet feel so grateful to be a part of something so beautiful and big. I think sometimes we need to look at God that way. To to feel small and humbled by the vastness and the mystery of God and yet to feel so grateful that the creator of the entire universe knows our name. I'm going to be talking with you a little bit more throughout worship about this idea of the Trinity. But I wanted to start here by saying, if you don't understand it all, that's a good thing. (laughs) Let it be a reminder that God is God and, and we are not. And let that joy of knowing that there is something bigger than yourself out there wash over you. 
Throughout worship, we will, though, be talking about parts that God has revealed to us, about how God is a Father and a Son and a Holy Spirit. And so I invite you now to join me in confessing the first article of the Apostles' Creed. These are the beliefs that have been brought together by leaders of the church over thousands of years ago. And we begin by confessing together this first article. Please join me. It should appear on your screen or be printed in your bulletin on page one. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That's what we say about God, the Father, this first person of the Trinity. But I had an epiphany about God, the Father, and it happened on November 14th, 2011. I remember the specific day that I had this epiphany about God, the Father, because that was the day that I became a father for the first time. November 14th, 2011 is when my daughter Evelyn was born. And I had heard in the months leading up to her birth all of the parental cliches about how you'll never understand that you could have so much love in your heart, about how you'll be overwhelmed with love for this small creature. And they just all seemed like cliches. But on November 14th, 2011, I realized they were all true. (laughs) You can't explain it, but when you hold your newborn child in your hand, The only thing you feel is love for this small person that's done nothing to deserve it. And I had the epiphany that day that if I can feel such love for my newborn child, how much greater is God's love for us? I think that's what it means when we say that God is our father. God is a loving parent who is capable of love for us beyond our imagination and understanding. Even though we don't deserve it, it is unconditional and always there. And so that's why we're at the baptismal font right now. Because this is the place where God adopts us as children, we say. We take part in the sacramental ritual of baptism, and we remember that God claims us in these waters and calls us children of God, even though we don't deserve it. And frankly, there's nothing we can do to take that title of child of God away. So I invite you now to join me in a time of thanksgiving for baptism, where we celebrate and remember this truth that God is our loving Father, and nothing can change that. Please join me. It's printed in the bottom of page one. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. The baptismal font is the place where we died with Christ and rose to a new way of life. Let us give thanks now for the gift of baptism. We give you thanks, O God, for all the ways that you have used water to save your people. In the beginning, your spirit moved over the waters, and by your word you created the world, calling forth life in which you took delight. Through the waters of the flood, you delivered Noah and his family. Through the sea, you led your people Israel from slavery into freedom. At the river, your son was baptized by John and anointed with the Holy Spirit. By water and your word, you claim us as your children, making us heirs of your promise and servants of all. We praise you, O Lord, for the gift of water that sustains life, and above all, we praise you for the gift of new life in Jesus Christ. Shower us with your spirit and renew our lives with your forgiveness, grace, and the love of the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray.
We join now in singing our opening hymn, Praise the Lord, O Heavens. It's number 823 and printed on page 2. in the Trinity, God the Son. I invite you to join me in confessing our faith using the second article of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Come the living and the dead. We have a lot more to say about the second person of the Trinity than we did to say about God the Father. It's right there as we say the creed. The second article of the creed is the longest one because the second article of the creed deals with God the Son, the, the part of God that became human like us. God entered our story and lived as we live. And so when we read the story of Jesus, it's so powerful to recognize and understand that everything that Jesus experienced is a part of the reality of God. And so when we see Jesus who is betrayed by a close friend, or who is abandoned by his disciples at his hour of need, when we see Jesus weeping at Lazarus's tomb, we recognize that God has experienced all of these human emotions that are so difficult for us to handle. God knows what it feels like to be wrongly accused and unjustly convicted and to die a horrible, painful death. God knows what it feels like to be alone and to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The second person of the Trinity is this deeply personal aspect of God. God chooses to personally enter our stories and be with us. And, and so there's another piece to all this. In the, in the beginning of John's gospel, John says the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And, and so it tells us that the word of God is the part of the Trinity that becomes flesh. The word of God is what enters our story and lives among us. And so I'll never forget when my seminary professor told me that that means that any time we read the word of God and hear it read or, or we hear the word of God preached, that in that moment Jesus is walking among us. Any encounter with the word of God is an encounter with the second person of the Trinity. That's why we read the Bible so much here on Sunday mornings. That's why we preach sermons every week. That's why we have Bible study on Wednesday nights at 6.30 if you'd like to join us. The word of God is another way when God enters our story and personally connects with us again. We heard two readings, one from the book of Genesis, one from the Gospel of John, and they both point to the reality of the Holy Trinity. In the reading from Genesis, we hear about Abraham welcoming three strangers into his midst, and he prepares food for them and three measures of flour and is hospitable towards these three strangers, not realizing that he is welcoming the very presence of God into his home. And then we heard a reading from the book of John, the Gospel of John. It's from the 17th chapter, which is this long prayer that Jesus offers on the night after he washes his disciples' feet. 
Jesus goes on and on about praying for his disciples. And as we heard there, Jesus is praying for unity amongst them. For the disciples and his followers to be one just as he and the Father are one. One reading all about hospitality. One reading all about unity. Both of these pieces point us towards not only the Trinity, but the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. I invite you now to join me in confessing the third article of the Apostles' Creed as we confess our faith in God, the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. We arrive now at the Holy Trinity, the third person in this grouping, in this painting. The Holy Trinity, as we just stated in that, that creed together, it is the work of God that continues to make community possible. The Holy Spirit is what makes the communion of saints possible. The Holy Spirit is what makes the Holy Catholic Church possible. And just a word about that phrasing there. The word Catholic means united. We're confessing a belief in a united church. You see, the Holy Spirit is the ongoing presence of God in this world that continues to unite us in the way that Jesus prayed about. And so these readings that we heard point to the work of the Spirit. The Spirit moves us towards hospitality. It moves us towards unity. I think that we wouldn't be able to continue to have churches if it wasn't for the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Because let's be honest, we can all be a little selfish and self-centered, can't we? We can look out only for our needs, and that makes something like community really difficult. I'm talking about myself here, too. If I had my ways, that would be the only way we'd do it. But that wouldn't make a very good community, now would it? No, I believe that the Holy Spirit continuing to work in the world is why the church is being able to survive for so long despite all of the messed up ways that people have tried to control it or co-opt it or make it all about themselves. And so we have this Holy Spirit moving us towards community, which brings me back to my point at the very beginning about how God is three and yet one. This is the epiphany that was brought to me by a seminary professor who pointed out that we say God is three in one because in some ways God is a community. We never have any problem with saying that a group of people all together is also one community. Think about it, think about it. We say that the Buffalo Bills is a really good football team. But there are 55 people on that team and 25 coaches. There's a whole bunch of individuals, yet they are one team. Bethany Lutheran Church it is a church of over 4,000 members, and yet it's one church. This week coming up, we're going to be forming these growth groups that are these small group gatherings of six, eight, ten people, yet they will be one group. And in the same way, God can be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and yet one God. When the seminary professor pointed this out to me, I had a little epiphany. I realize that in my life, in my walk of faith, so many of my close encounters with God happened in community. Whether it was at summer camp 
or during a late night conversation with close friends, or whether it was just singing a beautiful hymn on Sunday morning with other people. Again and again, it seemed that God broke into my life when I was with others. I think it's because when we experience true community, we're somehow experiencing the very essence of God. Theologians talk about God as a community, and they use a funny term called perichoresis. I don't expect you to remember that. But the idea is that God is this flowing of love, a a, a dance, if you will. The Father lovingly looks at the Son, and the Son lovingly looks at the Father, and the Spirit lovingly looks at the Father, and, and it all flows and moves and weaves together. God is this movement of love, and we're invited to be a part of it. God wants nothing more than for us to join this dance, to join this movement of love that is the very essence of God. Come join the dance of the Trinity, God said. So, the Holy Trinity is this theological concept that's a little hard to understand at times. There's just something mysterious about saying God is three yet one, and that's okay. It's all right if we can't fully wrap our mind around it, but what we also know is that God has been revealed to us as a loving father, as the son who enters our story, as the Holy Spirit who continues to unite us in community. And in all of this, God wants us to be a part of the divine dance, this flow and movement of love that is the very essence of God. I want to tell you just one more thing, though, about this painting that we've been looking at all service long. As I said, it was a Russian artist named Rublev who originally painted this back in the 1500s at some point. And the art historians have studied the original work, and what they found is that down here, there was something on the table at this point, some sort of adhesive. And so here's the thing that you need to know about this painting. Rublev actually modeled it after that reading from Genesis that we heard, where Abraham invites three people to sit at a table and have food together. And these are actually the oaks of Mamre that we read about in that reading from Genesis. But what you'll notice about the way Rublev portrayed this is that it invites us in, doesn't it? There's three people seated at a four-sided table, and we, the viewer, seem to be invited to sit here at the fourth seat. That adhesive that they found here on the original work that Rublev painted, many believe that it used to hold a mirror, so that as you looked at this painting, you saw your face as a part of the community of the Trinity. The truth of this strange theological concept is that God is inviting us to sit at the table with God. After all, when God was in human form, didn't Jesus make the same exact invitation? Jesus invited us to have a seat at the table. So this reminds us that This strange theological concept about the Trinity isn't just an idea. It's something very real. And when we gather for communion, just as Jesus invited us to gather, we encounter something very real. We sit 
at the table with Christ. We are invited to be a part of his movement of love in the world. We join the community of God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.